This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Ping.tv. Ladies and gentlemen, I am Dustin Gold. This is the Dustin Gold Standard, and you are listening to Payne.tv slash gold. All right, folks, a couple of things. I just want to give you a couple examples of this. Again, this article says right here, We already see an advanced degree of personalization in marketing practices, but this will be extended in the future to touch virtually all aspects of our lives. And let me just tell you, it was about uh, 2013, I believe, I was living in Atlanta, Georgia, and I was doing some work with a friend of mine's uh, tech company. And they were working with a team of very intelligent Indians, horrible marketers and business people, but very intelligent when it came to tech. And they were working on semantic search, which was very new at the time. And so they were trying to figure out companies that they could get this technology uh, to be adopted by. And so it was interesting because I was following what Google was doing at the time. I had been a web developer and I was very good at search engine optimization. And so I knew how to, let's say, program the back end of websites and to combine that with the type of content we were providing in order to get people to find our website that were looking for the information that we were providing. And so at the time, Google started to change how search engine optimization worked. And they were using basically the semantic search capability and also the beginning of using artificial intelligence and algorithms to make your search personalized to you. So what was happening is I could be standing next to you uh, and we could both be on our phones or tablets, laptops or whatever, and we could search for, I don't know, restaurants in our area. And you and I would both come up with different results. And the results were actually now driven by your habits, your behaviors, and such. And this would happen with a lot of things. So if I looked up something like border crisis, like if there was a border crisis going on, and you looked up border crisis, and you were typically, like, let's say, identified as liberal or looked at liberal news, and I was on the right and looked at conservative news, I would get articles coming from Glenn Beck or coming from Fox News where you would see articles coming from Daily Beast or Politico. So it was the beginning of really not being able to search engine optimize your site for a one-size-fits-all solution. Um, and, and that was the beginning of personalization of search. Now, they talk about it from marketing practices, and I'm sure many of you who've dealt with email newsletters and things of that nature. If you own a small business, you know something simple, like you could receive an email from Donald Trump that'll say, Dear Dustin, or Dear Dustin Gold, or whatever you put in there, and that's personalized. But there was a story I want to share with you, because this was really creepy. This was going back, I think, around the same time, 2013, 
uh, maybe 2012, but I went to a conference in Washington, D.C., and it had to do with technology and politics. And the people at this conference were, some of them had worked for Mitt Romney. Yeah, this was 2013 because it was after the 2012 race. Some of them had worked for Mitt Romney. Some of them had worked for Barack Obama. Some were working for Elizabeth Warren. And so they were sitting on this little dais, little, you know, like a conference panel. And one thing that was amazing was I saw that they were actually all friends. They were all around my age at the time. So I would have been in my uh, uh, late 20s, early 30s. And I saw they were all actually buddies. Whether they worked for Obama or Mitt Romney, they really didn't care. And so I found that to be interesting. But I listened to one conference, and they had talked about at the time when Lou Dobbs was on CNN. And they wanted him, there was a movement that wanted him thrown off of CNN. So what they did was they needed to build the marketing company that was handling this needed to build an alliance against Lou Dobbs. And he was a big, big wig at CNN, a big figure at the time, hard guy to push out. And so what they did is they were able to get a list and this was using Facebook's uh, advertising service. And they were able to get a list of everyone who worked inside of CNN. And they were able to get that list of all of their Facebook accounts from within Facebook. And then they designed, so let's say, I, I think it was three to 500 people. And so what they did is they custom designed an ad that was going to run inside the Facebook uh, like in your timeline back then you used to see ads in the timeline you, you kind of still do it was different then though and so they designed an ad that was custom to each person so it would say something like hey dustin how do you like supporting a racist and it would have a picture of say me and lou dobbs and so that person like let's say it was me I believed, oh my God, this ad is running everywhere on Facebook, not just to me. It was only running in my feed, but I would think it's running everywhere. And so I'm like, oh my God, now people are associating me with a racist. And that is how they built the support within CNN to get Lou Dobbs out of there. That is called personalization, highly personalized using data. And this is almost 10 years ago. Uh, actually, the campaign took place a couple years before I was at the conference, so this was over 10 years ago, and that's the type of technology they had utilizing Facebook's ads. So this is what we talk about when we're talking about personalization, and I'm talking about driving you into an echo chamber. They have the ability to feed you, let's say, an entire Twitter feed with 90% bots and a storyline that goes along with your beliefs or pushes you in another direction, and no one else is actually seeing that, only you are. That's how advanced it is at this point. All right, so if you put on a VR headset and went inside a future metaverse, an immersive second life world, what you're experiencing may be completely different than anyone else out there. So they could literally drive you into your own echo chamber. All right, let's continue. It says, for example, in addition to location and past purchase history data, marketers may be able to use emotional filters based on 
our activity to change the tone of their message on the spot in response to our current mood. And I've read a lot about this stuff uh, because I'm interested in marketing. And yes, they have the ability to do that. Based on how you are currently interacting with your device, they can read your or predict your emotions and then serve up ads. Um, And don't think of this just from the perspective of ads. They can do this with news. They can do this with tweets you see. They can do this with uh, government-related stuff. I mean, they can totally play to your emotion and change your emotion. And this all ties in to behavioral science, but also into neuroscience, what Dr. Giordano and Dr. Charles Morgan talk about. All right, let's continue. It says, personalization will also extend to our homes, as we are currently seeing with smart home devices that can set uh, moods with lighting and music. Eventually, we may see AI personalization affect our career trajectory, playing a guiding role in the positions we are offered based on our personal strengths. And we already know that a large number of HR departments are now using artificial intelligence to comb through resumes. And only about 10% of the resumes submitted on any given job are actually reviewed by a human. Everyone else is weeded out by the artificial intelligence. So now there's actually companies starting businesses to help you write your resume to get past the artificial intelligence wall. Yeah, folks, this stuff is nuts. I mean, this is from 2017, but we are in it right now. It goes on to say, it is inevitable that our diets and medical treatment will be far more personalized based on the information that our genome reveals about us. And that's what I was talking about early, earlier, these personalized DNA modifying shots. They're actually going to tell you soon, uh, and some of the doctors that have been out there on the circuit are already starting to say, well, we can give you injections to modify your DNA to cure you in the future of cancer and such. Again, always trying to gain access to your body and give you shots. How about you just give me some clean organic food and leave me the hell alone? That's what I say. Goes on to say here, personalization will eventually give way to customization at scale where products and services will be completely configured to personal needs and preferences. And folks, we will see a lot of that happening through the 3D printing. Eventually, their goal is that everyone will have a 3D printer inside of their 400-square-foot prison pod, and you'll be printing everything you need. One more story. I just want to tell you this because as much as I hate tech, it fascinates me because I can see how easily people can be manipulated. One of the other things that came out of this 2013 conference I went to on politics and technology at the time, TiVo was really big, you know, where you could watch something on TV or you weren't home to watch it, so you'd record it onto your TiVo. And so one of the technologies they were utilizing at the time in politics, and this was uh, someone who had worked for the Barack Obama 2008 and 2012 campaigns, talked about a technology they had developed in partnership with Comcast, I believe it was, at the time. And so what they did is, let's say they bought an ad slot 
uh, at like 8 p.m. or 8.10 p.m. And that plays during, uh, I don't know, what was big then? America's Got Talent or something like that. And so they didn't want to necessarily pump the same ad into every house, although you would think that's happening. So if you're watching America's Got Talent and 8.10 p.m. comes up and there's an ad for Barack Obama talking about fighting against the Second Amendment, you would assume everyone in your neighborhood watched that right but your neighbor next door might have seen an ad that was about health care and the reason why is that they had the statistics down to where they were targeting uh the most likely voters in the household combined with what programs they thought that they were watching on television and then they would create ads that were specific to the things that you were concerned about so at some point you filled out a a questionnaire somewhere or you watch certain shows they know that your issue is that you want to end gun rights so they would make an ad that was about ending gun rights and then that ad would be targeted into the house if they believed you were the guy watching america's got talent so say they knew you were watching it or they were pretty close and the way that they did that is the ads would be served up through the uh you know the tv lines that ad would actually sit stored inside of your tivo and then when the 810 slot came up that ad would trigger and you'd be watching a different ad than your neighbor would be watching that's technology from 10 years ago barack obama's campaign working in conjunction with comcast i think i still have the sales brochure on that somewhere but that goes to show you how personalized things were 10 years ago as you've all know harari has said those who have the data those who control the data will be the gods of the new era and what he's talking about in part is the ability to manipulate us because they know us remember he said we know you better than you know yourselves no they're going to manipulate you into what it is they want you to be so a couple more of these uh from this article on forbes folk i find this to be fascinating that this was from 2017 five years ago talking about what was going to be coming by 2030 and we're already seeing a majority of this stuff being rolled out Maybe not fully adopted yet, maybe not like the smartphone, 90% of the people have adopted that, but they are getting close, folks. And as far as the personalization goes, you won't even know that it's actually happening to you unless you start to keep your eye out and watch for it. But the whole reason is so that they could better manipulate you, so they can mind control you, mind hack you. Ladies and gentlemen, all this stuff starts inside of the state, and then they roll it out to the so-called private sector. I am Dustin Gold. This is the Dustin Gold Standard. We will be right back right here on Payne.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Payne.tv. Join the discussion at Payne.tv slash gold. Listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Payne.tv. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I am Dustin Gold of the Dustin Gold Standard right here on Payne.tv slash gold. All right, folks. I hope you're enjoying this wonderful Saturday evening, Sunday morning, as I'm 
beaming all of this crazy information into your mind. I don't mean to overload you folks, and I never want to desensitize you to this stuff. I'm only here to make you aware of it so that you can navigate as much of this stuff as possible and to know when you're being manipulated. Just like Mike Moore over at the Thomas Paine podcast focuses on the scams and the schemes and the grifts. And I have to be honest, since I started this show, unfortunately, I've not been able to listen to him. I used to listen to every single show. I had basically eight or ten different podcasts I listened to because I was on the road working and I would listen to them all day long i would just absorb information and i felt like i was in the loop and since i've done this and now i have to spend you know eight nine hours a day putting together these shows getting them cut up and edited uploading them to the platforms and it just doesn't generate enough money for me to hire a producer at this point mike's been at this for two years he doesn't have a producer i mean the young bucks help him but mike does a lot of the work over there so you know, eventually, uh, I will have time to get back to hopefully listening to some stuff that I enjoy. But right now, I find that putting out seven podcasts a week, two hours a day, is uh, it's good for me. It allows me to talk about a lot of the things I've learned over the years and share them with you so I don't feel like all this intelligence is going to waste. All right, let's continue here. This is point number six out of the seven. This is business practices will shift significantly we will see the rise of artificial intelligence in our career settings as described in much work focused on smart factories industrial internet of things and related topics okay and so we've covered a lot of this you know smart factories are essentially mini smart cities and then you have industrial internet of things we also have the industrial metaverse coming which we covered briefly out of a lecture uh, conference Uh, panel at the World Economic Forum. goes on to say most employees will have an artificial intelligence counterpart with which they collaborate or through which their work is amplified. And we see the beginning phases of this. We know Artificial Intelligence Foundation has been working on the mind twins. And now we see the CEOs at World Economic Forum talking about the digital twinning of everything, physical things as well as biological, as well as humans, right? And so you see that coming into practice. I read a lot of that in trades. Sometimes you have to go to the trades or you have to go to articles like this at Forbes talking to the business community about what's coming. And then you can start to see what's actually out there, whether we see it happening in the consumer space or not. If you're not in these fields, you won't know much about it unless you're listening to me or you're researching it yourself. goes on to say, some futurists predict that by 2026, companies will have an artificial intelligence machine as a member of their board of directors. Well, we already saw that happen, and it's not even 2026 yet. We saw the Chinese company that has an artificial intelligence digital twin uh, sort of uh, hologram, which is their CEO now working in conjunction with the other executives. So I'm uh, looking and following this stuff, and there's many more companies that are about to announce this as well. So you're going to start to see artificial intelligence sitting as executives and board members at companies. It goes on to say integration of brain-machine interfaces or brain-computer interfaces into workplaces will usher in heightened cybersecurity concerns. I would say so, hacking of the brain. But then again, we are hackable animals, according to Yuval Noah Harari, the king philosopher of the fourth industrial 
Industrial Revolution. Uh, it goes on to say, and we may see eventual scenarios in which companies are sponsoring uh, nootropic supplements and neurostimulation devices to improve employee focus and increase the speed of new skills acquisition and so what have we been talking about for the last uh, couple of episodes right we're talking about uh well the supplements and everything are going to come from people like ray kurzweil but also we are starting to see the uh, ceos executives inside of silicon valley talking about microdosing uh psilocybic mushrooms throughout the day folks so they're already talking about that to give them heightened awareness and uh, help them with the speed of their skills and then the neurostimulation devices is basically what we talked about yesterday these transcranial electronic stimulation devices that you strap on your head and basically electric shocks your brain couple that with the gamification folks and i don't know how you don't call this mind control and you cannot say that mk ultra never ended in fact it's operating at warp speed all right final of the number uh final is number seven and that is convert uh, conversations focused on our societal values will gain a great deal of attention as these widespread and revolutionary technologies come at us from every angle and affect our bodies thought processes and behaviors society will engage in growing philosophical debate around what our values are as individuals as a country and as a species and obviously we see all this happening again this is in 2017 2018 elon musk goes on joe rogan experience the largest platform of people the largest audience of people talking about so-called philosophy right or what we are as a species so about a year after this article is published predicting this will happen elon musk goes on joe rogan experience and starts the conversation about transhumanism and so it becomes part of the lexicon and now people like myself obviously are talking about this i don't think there's much of a debate because the scientists and the engineers are in power and they are going to move forward with us whether you or i like it or not but we could reject it at least for the time being uh we can reject it goes on to say what do we value most is it intelligence self-fulfillment success happiness quality of life for all or something else how about you leave me the hell alone that's the one that uh, i like goes on to say as we increasingly have the tools to engineer any of these outcomes some will have to take priority over others and and we've heard Many of these technologists at the executive level talk about how they have the ability to do anything they want. It's just a matter of when and to what degree. We've heard the doctors and the scientists and the engineers coming out of the military say they can do whatever they want, just a matter of when and to what degree. So the scientists and the engineers, the technocrats and the transhumanists have made the decision that this stuff is going forward, right? So in 2017, Forbes put out, puts out this article basically to to business owners entrepreneurs telling them this is the future now you need to decide how to adapt it so they're pushing the tenets of the fourth industrial revolution the merger of the physical biological and digital worlds out to all the entrepreneurs that read forbes that was the purpose of this let's continue for example if one country decides they want to create a nation of super intelligent and physically aug augmented citizens will other countries decide they have no choice but to follow suit 
And that is the argument that the United States makes that China and Russia are going to do this, so we have to do it. But if you look at the propaganda coming out of China and Russia, they tell their citizens that the United States is doing it, therefore they have to do it. The idea is that they are going to do it, and these different countries will play the respective boogeyman to each other's countries. goes on, these and related questions that get at the heart of who we are as humans and what we value in our society will have tremendous ramifications. And, and this is part of it, folks. Part of what I think about at night is not just what they're doing, you know, where it came from, where it's at, where it's going. I have a pretty good vision in my head. Sometimes I have difficulty explaining it all to you because it's through my mind. If I could just beam my mind into your mind, you'd understand where I'm coming from. No, but the question is, how do we make the case? Uh, How would you make the case to people who don't care about this or who accept it and want it? I mean, what are we fighting for? What are we fighting against? And I'm going to have to end up doing a series of shows on this. I might bring Maria Albanese on. She very rarely gets into philosophy, but I'd like to talk to her and a couple other friends of mine that are very intelligent about, you know, what we're actually fighting for. What's the message that we're putting out there? Because, again, we can't just always be against something, I think. I think we have to be for something. That's just me thinking out loud here. I don't know. I mean, I'm obviously we're for natural life, but I think we have to define that in a sense. And how would you fight against other people wanting to modify themselves or augment themselves? How would you fight against someone who wants to cut their genitals off or whatever? Let's just say in the case of a transgender surgery. How do you tell them that's wrong? I mean, we just had, what, a 75-year battle back and forth over abortion, you know, what they call pro-choice or pro-life, or you would call it you know, life and abortion, uh, life and death. I don't know. So these are the kind of discussions that I want to start to have here with the guests, start to think about these things from a philosophical standpoint. All right, let's continue. It says, are you ready to be augmented into a superhuman? Frost and Sullivan explores these themes and many others in detail in a recently published study, Transhumanism, How Humans Will Think Before uh, be, I'm sorry about that, folks. The book is Transhumanism, How Humans Will Think, Behave, Experience, and Perform in the Future, and the Implications to Businesses. Wow, that is a long study. It goes on to say, if you would like to explore this topic in more detail, you can access the study here. And eventually, I am going to go into this. But it says here, this article was written with contributions from Lauren Taylor, principal consultant in Frost and Sullivan's Visionary Innovation Group. And then they have various uh, references here that they used to write this article. But I thought this was fascinating, again, because this is back in 2017, five years ago, them laying out what's coming by 2030. And of course, 2030 is used all the time because of the UN Agenda 2030, and this is at the beginning of the kickoff, the public kickoff, and the promotion and public relations campaign around Klaus Schwab's The Force Industrial Revolution. Again, the merger of the biological, physical, and digital worlds. And so this is what you're looking at, and we see a lot of this in practice today, folks. We see a lot of this in practice. Now imagine what's going to be rolled out over the next eight years before we reach 2030. When we get back from the break, I have something that has been on my radar for quite a while, 
And I'm going to only go through part of this because I need to dedicate several episodes to this. So I think I will do part of it today, and then we will continue with some of this throughout the week. Uh, We have to finish up James Giordano, and then we are going to go back to the Cyborg Soldier 2050 Part 2 of the podcast. They're dealing with the ethics of that program. I really want to show you what these doctors inside the government that are assigned to the ethics involved are speaking about. And then I want to get into uh, looking deeper into the Cyborg Soldier 2050 paper. Not too deep. It's not all, all important. We've covered a lot of it here. And then there is some work I'm going to show you on MK Ultra and the DARPA Brain Initiative. But I want to go through this. This is over at Oxford Academic. It's academic.oup.com, the Journal of Medicine and Philosophy. And this was published in several places, but this is a journal article called Bioethics and Transhumanism, the Journal of Medicine and Philosophy, a forum for bioethics and philosophy of medicine, volume 42, issue 3, June 1st, 2017. And this is written by Alan Porter, and it was published on May 11, 2017. But there is some very, very amazing stuff in here, invaluable, if you ask me. Ladies and gentlemen, we'll be right back. I am Dustin Gold. This is the Dustin Gold Standard, and you are listening to pain.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on pain.tv. Join the discussion at pain.tv slash gold. 